I have an assignment today, and I'm thrilled. And I hope you all love me as much as I love you and, and uh, get excited. I'm sorry you missed the $20. Don't get mad at me. But I promise you, I might just put this in a pool and add to it every week. Thank you, Jesus. All right, starting a new series this morning. I hope you'll write down some notes right quickly. I've got a lot of scripture, very lot of scripture, but a lot of them are on the screen in translations like we do. But we're starting a new series, and I want you to write down. Now, this is, this is kind of interesting because Lisa mentioned Wednesday night services. Now, now, Sunday, you know, we just got through last Sunday with a series on faith in the Lordship of Jesus. How many of you found yourself confessing Jesus is Lord over that? More than, man, you have to just get you, get you activated. Jesus is Lord over this thing. He's Lord over my body. Lord, you, something malfunctions in your body. He's Lord over my heart. He's Lord over my pancreas. He's Lord over my eyes. And uh, I like that. You know, I, I went to, I um, had my doctor, my, what do you call it? My, I don't know what Joel just said, that optometrist, that eye doctor. And uh, hadn't been, I hadn't been since 17 and uh, got behind, you know, going. And uh, I went the other day and, and but it blesses me, you know, because some time ago I went to a, a man I had, was out playing with the girls when they were small. I'd never been to an eye doctor. And uh, when the girls, Avery and Sarah were maybe this age, I say small, they might've been preteen or right about young teens. And we were running through the woods chasing a, where's like, what were we chasing that day? Is it a, I don't know. It ended up climbing a tree. A, coon, a raccoon, that's what it was. Chasing a raccoon. And we, you know, just chasing it through the woods, you know, having fun. It finally climbed up the tree. Well, anyway, and so I'm following Avery. Avery's going through the woods on, on a dead run after that thing. And boy, she let go of a limb and it came back and hit me in the eye. Just slapped me in the eye like that. And Susan was down in Enterprise. I, Mary, I can't remember if she was helping with Bob when he was sick or, or what, but she was down, she was gone. And, uh, and so, boy, I mean, I went getting them ready for school for a day and a half like this. And if I tried to open it, it hurt. And I finally thought, well, I'm going to go. And I went, you know, and, of course, the eye doctor checked. And that's the first time I'd been to an eye doctor. The eye doctor checked me out real good. And, and uh, he said, well, he said, you know how you hit something real hard like you knuckled and you peel the flesh back on your knuckle? You peeled the flesh back on your eye. You just did that. And, uh, and so he gave me some drops for it. He said, of course, I do have some advice for you. I said, what's that? He said, duck. <laughs> Next time, duck. I said, Okay. And, uh, but anyway, but so I started going to eye doctor after that about once a year, just for checkup, you know, and, and, uh, it's just kind of funny, you know, and, and so this one doctor about seven, eight years ago, he said, uh, you know, you have the starting of a cataract. He said, no problem. He said, 10 years away from that, you know, he's, you don't need surgery. It's about 10 years away from needing surgery, but you got the starting of that and it, you know, it'd be about 10 years. And, and I said, mm-hmm, I'm going to get to work on Come that. On. And I got to work with my faith on that. Thank yes. God for faith in Amen. God, you know? And, and so anyway, but in the process of time, went to him another year or two. And then, then after that, for some reason, I went, started going to the eye doctor where Susan went and, and, uh, and I just wasn't going to say anything. I was going to let this eye doctor tell me about this cataract, you know? So I went on first time. She didn't say anything about it. Second year, nothing about it. And I finally asked her, I said, I said, let me just ask you. I said, I, I said, Dr. Karen, I said, is there any uh, sign of cataracts? Said, oh, goodness, no, she said. No sign whatsoever of any cataracts. I said, thank you. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I don't, I don't think he was wrong. Don't misunderstand. You know what I'm saying? But the Word of God, I began to apply toward that and reverse it. Well, what Lisa was talking about, you know, Wednesday night services, we have more, I don't know why the Holy Spirit works the way he does. Sunday morning, we do more preaching, proclamation. Wednesday night, and we do more teaching. And it seems like we get into the, down to the nitty gritty, you know, just really down into how faith operates. And we've been teaching about having aggressive faith. And that's powerful. You ought to sit in on those if you can pull away from the TV on Wednesday night. But, you know, it's just a good thing to do. And then, of course, we have a Sunday night class now for the elite team. Anybody's welcome, but, you know, it's, it's what we're doing is training people that want to be in leadership, help us get this thing going the way it needs to go. Boy, you're talking about strong word on Sunday night. We're having it. 
And uh, you'd have to ask about that schedule because that, that schedule varies with time and things of that nature. But that's uh, Sunday afternoon. And uh, but we're having a good time. Well, we're going to start a series this morning, and I hope you're writing notes. The, the, why do you want us to write notes, Brother James? Well, how many of you learned in school? You write things down, you remember it. That's right. Amen. And if you don't remember it, you can go back to it and re-remember it, you know, Amen. and read and study it. But we're going to start talking this morning about possessing tough faith in a tough world. I, I said something last Sunday in our last teaching on the Lordship of Jesus that sparked this in me, so I'm going to start out sharing a couple of the same scriptures that I shared last Sunday with you. But the Lord just began to deal with me. He said, talk about possessing a tough faith. Amen. Tough. And I'm emphasizing the word tough, so write that in your notes. Yes, a you. tough faith for a tough world. Today I want to talk yes. to you about awakening what's already in you. Amen. When Jesus said that he was meek and lowly, remember that? Yes. Jesus said, I'm meek and lowly. It didn't mean that he was weak or not tough. Meek and lowly just meant come not thinking you know everything. Meek means right. be teachable. Right. And another thing meek and lowly was talking about, he was given a reference that we come to him. If he's meek and lowly, we should come to him the same way. Now, I don't mean to give you a lesson on this, but it, it means don't come angry to him. Have you ever learned you don't learn much when you're angry? Right. You know, angry and having the know-it-all attitude. Well, he's, he never had that. But when Jesus said he was meek and lowly, it did not mean that he was weak and not tough. While there is the love side of Jesus, we preach on that, we ought to, Jesus had a great side of love, there's also the tough side of Jesus. Amen. When I say tough, I don't mean tough with people, right. but tough where you don't allow things to penetrate into yes. you. Yes. This is what I'm talking about. Not tough like I'm going to be tough and you can't talk to me and, and I'm going to be tough and you can't carry on a conversation with me because I'm too tough for you. Not, not talking about that. Jesus wasn't that way. But what, he meant, what I mean by that is that to be tough like Jesus was, that no matter what opposition Come comes against you, Amen. it can't penetrate or can't get to you or can't break you. Amen. And you've got to have a tough faith like that. And Jesus possessed that kind of tough. In fact, when you study Jesus, I wish we had time to go through all this, but he had an inner toughness, and that's what we're going to deal with today. Jesus carried an inner toughness that left him untouched by the world and untouched by religion, what religious said and what religion wanted to do. Even to the point that when they would pick up stones to stone him, he would just walk right through the midst of them. Amen. And that toughness allowed what their attitude couldn't penetrate him. Right. Amen. Their negativity. Was Jesus ever around unbelief? All the time. He'd go into his hometown of Nazareth and he said he couldn't even do a miracle there because of their unbelief. People, you know, a lot of times people just say, I tell you what, if God wants to prove himself to me, let him do a miracle. Well, he'll never be able to do one for you because you have to believe. Well, I'm just not a believer. Well, you can be, and you have the opportunity to believe, and you have within you what it takes to believe. My job is to put you in touch today, if you'll listen to me and receive it, is to put you in touch with who you really are on the inside. And you're going to find out that this toughness he's already put in you, but you've got to let it come to the forefront see, and be tough about it, this inner toughness. Jesus had an inner toughness that left him untouched or unharmed by the world or religion. Jesus was tough spiritually first, but he was also tough physically. The Bible says that Jesus was of such a physique. He carried such a physique. I read a letter one time years ago, Sue, we had it at the car lot when I was working there, which was in the late 70s, and, and uh, I retired from that in 1980. They didn't send me a check for the retirement, but I did retire in 1980, went full-time in the ministry at the age of 20. And, uh, but just before I left there, I remember that a letter got passed around. I, I've looked at that further since then, and, and best I can tell, it's very authentic. And this was even before we had Internet, you know, in the 1970s before we had access to that. But this letter was written by one of the governors of Rome in the area of 
the Roman Empire, which had, had at that time included Jerusalem and so on. And it wasn't Pontius Pilate, but it was another leader. And he described Jesus and his ministry and described him physically right. about his long chestnut hair and his, his physique. Well, the Bible says that Jesus was of such a physical stature that the Greeks who worshiped the physical body wanted to see him. Remember that when they came to one of Jesus' disciples said, the Greeks want to see you. Yeah. Well, and, and Jesus didn't even give it no mind. You know, the Greeks want to see you, show you guns, you know, and Jesus wouldn't do it for them. But he was so physically fit. Now, he was tough physically. But so you don't, you don't really get there. If you're going to be big, strong or tough physically, it's got to start inwardly. And it's the same way physically for your physical body, for your physical health, and mentally yes. strong. Amen. Jesus was, you could say Jesus was strong spiritually, tough spiritually. He was tough physically and he was tough mentally. Yes. And that's why, of course, the Bible gives us that opportunity to walk in that same kind of toughness. Amen. Well, imagine having tough faith. Now, it, it would be okay not to have, what, what's the opposite of tough? Somebody give me a, Weak. usually the opposite of tough would be tender. And, uh, but yet weak, of course, that certainly plays into it. Weak plays into that. It doesn't have the same continuity. That's where weakness would come in. So yeah, I agree with you on that, but I'm thinking tenderness. And since it's my, my game, you know, in my sermon, play it my way. But the opposite of tough then would be tender. So instead of being a tough minded person of faith, a person that's tender minded of faith doesn't have the strength to resist problems. This is the person that may know the scriptures and says a lot of good confessions when they're, you know, like it's easy to say by stripes I'm healed when there's nothing physically going on with you. Or it's easy to say, have you ever, you know, when you get your tax rebate in, it's easy to say, my God supplies all my need according to his riches and glory. But give us about three weeks after the income. <laughs> so then, then, you know, when, and the bills come to you and you don't have the money for it, you got to believe God, then it'll show whether you're really tough or tender. See? And I'll give you a definition on that like I did last week. I'm going to share a couple of stories with you today if we have the time. But developing an inner toughness, hope you're writing notes, an inner toughness like Jesus that left him untouched by the world and religion. And too, it it'll do that for us. The fact is we live in a tough world with tough circumstances. Here's another word I want you to write down. I'm going to show it to you in a Bible in a different translation in just a minute. But you've got to have a tough personality. And that, that personality is important. You know, you can tell how strong a person is just by being around. It's their personality. They're weak, they're scared, they're timid. See, they don't have that toughness. But you can tell quickly by a person's personality. I'll deal with that in just a minute. So you've got to have a tough personality in order to stand against adversity. Because adversity is going to come. You say, well, I just choose not to have any problems. That'd be nice. But you're going to have to go to heaven to experience that. I've had people over the years come up to me and say, Brother James, I'd like you to pray for me. What you want to pray for? I want you to pray I have no more problems. Well, I used to sit down and explain to them, you know, when they say, I want you to pray, I don't have any more problems. I used to sit down, but now I don't, I just start praying. <laughs> they say, pray for me that I have no more problems. I said, I'd be glad to. I told one young man, I said, I'd be glad to. Let me pray with you. He was so glad. I was going to pray and all his problems going to stop. Brother Reggie, and I grabbed his hand like this. I said, Father, I want you to take my friend Kyle here and I want you just to take him on to heaven. Just kill him today and bring him right on to heaven. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, stop. Don't pray that prayer. I said, well, that's the only way you're not going to have any more problems. You're going to have to go to heaven, so we've got to get you out of here fast. <laughs> the reality is that God isn't wanting to take us to heaven early because we've got assignments down here. People we've got to reach, 
assignments, things that we were created to fulfill. Right, amen, that's right, yeah. amen. And so we got this thing called lifespan that we're supposed to be stretching out for. And, and in order to reach that lifespan, in order to accomplish the things we were put on this planet to do, then we're going to have to have a toughness about yes. us because there's adversity to stop us yes. from getting there. Amen. Stop us from a long life, stop us from reaching our goals, stop right. us from walking in health, stop us from walking in wealth or whatever the you know, thing that you may be trying to obtain. Amen. And it's all, of course, scriptural. We stand with the scripture. So write it down and be sure and clear about it that we live in a tough world. Some people have it better than others. I mean, they're more fortunate than others sometimes it seems like, but that doesn't get rid of the fact that the truth is they're going to have a tough, difficult time at some time. It don't matter how blessed you are. It don't matter if you got able to afford five or six maids at your house and six yard men, you're still going to have a tough situation sometime come up. Amen. Something that maybe your money won't. Produce. Maybe some people are born with weaker bodies than others. Some are just born something like nothing ever gets on them or bothers them physically. They've got a strong constitution physically and nothing seems to bother them. But at some point, something's going to bother them. There is a difficulty on to come because Satan, your adversary, has had 6,000 years of man's history to practice at hurting people. And so he's going to try to find ways in. He's going to try to find accesses, whatever you've left closed or left open in your life. He's going to try to find ways that he can get in, and he's going to use things. And if you're strong physically, he might come against you financially. If you're strong financially, he might try to come against you physically. So whatever it may be, he's going to try to find a way to penetrate because the truth is we live in a tough world, and we're going to have to be strong and tough and ready for the times that come against us. The first scripture is John 16, 33. Just jot this down once we read this reference. I'm going to show it to you in the Amplified Classic and also in the Passion Translation. Look at this now. This is the words of Jesus. Jesus said, in the world, and I underline this part for you, you shall have tribulation. Now that word tribulation, of course, I'm going to build on what that word tribulation actually means. You shall have trials. You shall have suffering. Other translations will bring it out, but let's read it. In the world you'll have tribulation, but, he said, be of good cheer. Now notice the word be right there, be. That means something you've got to choose to be. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're going to wake up cheery. It means you've got to decide to be yes. cheery. Yes. So he says, in the world you'll have tribulations, testings, and trials, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And of course, your victory is going to come through what he's overcome or his strength to overcome. It's going to be the same strength. That we're going to exercise. So the Amplified Classic put it this way. We read this last week, but look at it. In the world, you'll have tribulation and trials and distresses and frustrations. All right? Those are the four things I want you to think about. That's, that helps us understand what he means by trial. That tribulation, rather, is a trial. It's something that stresses us, a distressful moment in our lives, or a frustration, something that's set or designed by the enemy to frustrate you. He said those things will come, but, he says, be of good cheer and notice then comes the bracket in the Amplified. It says in the Greek, it means to take courage, be confident. Four things I want you to look at. Take courage, be confident, be certain, and be undaunted, for I have overcome the world. Not just to recognize trials will come, but there's a certain way he says we have to be, and this is not how you're going to wake up necessarily. These four things here, I wish I'd underlined it, didn't, but look at this. Courage, confident, certain, and undaunted is not necessarily going to just make you feel that way when a trial comes. Right. Oh, they told me, you know, she told me she don't love me anymore and I just feel so cheerful. That's probably not true. Or if it is, it's a real bad situation that we don't even need to hear about, but they could start a soap opera over it, I'm sure. But just take courage and then be confident about things. Yes. This is something you have to develop. Confidence in, in your abilities through Christ in you, that's something that has to be developed. 
Confidence or certain, to be certain. Here's, it's an interesting word. We don't use it so much like this. But to be certain means, I wrote this down this morning, added to it. It might be interesting to you. It means without doubt. And, of course, we know doubt opens the door. To stay certain on things means to be without doubt. Without, if, you're, if you are in without doubt going to have victory, no matter what the adversity is, then that has to be trained into you. Has to be exercised up. What we're really going to find today is that what I'm talking to you about having is already in you, but like yes. any muscle unused, it grows weak. Yes, amen. And so if we can get back to saying, you know what, I'm going to face this thing and be undaunted. That's right. There's a amen. word. That's a nice word. You want a definition on the word undaunted? It simply means to be unbothered. To be daunted means bothered. So undaunted means to be unbothered or unfazed. How many of you would like to get where you face adversity and yet, because adversity is going to come. Right. I mean, you can't, how many have you found? You can't, if you stick your head in the sand, <laughs> head in the sand, if you stick your head in the sand to avoid the fact that there's difficulties out there, your butt's going to experience difficulty once again. You know, I'm just saying the difficulty is not going away. You know, you go through this thing with the little, Little children, you know, John, like, like Ezra, you know, he's at this thing now where he's learned. Every child goes through this where they just like to throw a blanket over him and you say, where's Ezra? Where's Ezra? I mean, like we couldn't think for a moment it might be that blanket walking around the room would be him, you know. Where's Ezra? Where's Ezra? Well, that's the way Christians are a lot of times. We just sort of cover up our head and say, you know, everything's going to go. That's not true. So you're going to face adversity. Jesus said that's coming. So I'm asking you, would you like to be unfazed when it comes? Where it's not trouble. Well, you mean you got more bill than you got money? Well, I'm unfazed by that because God supplies money. How to develop? That has to be developed. Amen. So again, he says, take courage, be confident, certain, and undaunted. Those are four things I hope you jot down because you need to work on those Amen. things. Right. And, and, and go to the dictionary and find them out. I'm going to show you how to do it today. I've just got to talk fast to get to where I can. But. Amen. So the question then comes, how do we live in a tough world and have real, bold, strong faith? How do we... How do we do that? How do we actually develop? How do we toughen up and have faith that keeps us in a divine optimism? I might get you to write that word down. How do you stay divinely optimistic? Now, I put that word divine in front of it because I mean affected by God to be optimistic. Amen. I gave you a definition last Sunday. I'll give it to you again, but about defini- the definition of the word optimistic. Because a lot of times you use words like that in church. People say, well, I don't think it's right for us to talk about optimism, to be optimistic. That sounds like positive thinking <laughs> stuff or whatever, you know. Well, first of all, you have to define what optimistic is not. Optimistic doesn't mean to be super cheery all the time, like, you know, super cheery about everything. Or it doesn't mean to think there is no problems. Or like you can think them away, like I said, stick your head in the sand and think there are no problems. That's not what the word optimistic actually means. The word optimistic, it actually means to have a strong belief and conviction that in spite of tough, adverse circumstances there's still going to be a good outcome. Now, that's what optimistic is. Would you like me to repeat that? I thought that was powerful. Having a strong belief or possessing a strong... Now, to to possess a strong belief or conviction, you've got to work on it. You've got to go to the Word and you've got to instill those Scriptures in you that God will do what He said He'll do. Optimism means to have a strong belief and conviction that in spite of the tough, adverse circumstances, there'll still be a good outcome. Well, somebody said, you know, uh, you, you was going to rent this building and do this, and now that that's over and you hadn't got anywhere to meet, and you say, well, you know, God's got a better place then. Amen. That's being optimistic. Amen. God will get me in somewhere different. 
You know, sometimes you've had house deals like that. You know, we're going to get this house and then it fell through. Something didn't work out right or, or, or some car you was trying to get and it didn't work out just right. And, but yet the optimistic person says, you know what, that, that's okay. Somebody else already bought that. God's got something better. That's still going to be better. It's going to end up better than it's ever been. Because you got chapter and verse on it. That's the optimistic person. Let, let me get you to write something down. If you hadn't wrote any notes today, write one thing down for me. Nobody likes to be around a sarcastic Gripping person. Amen. Yes. Amen. That's the opposite of optimistic. You know, just always everything's negative and everything's wrong. Oh, let's go. Let's go sit around Bob today. You know, he's going to talk so so sarcastic. No, you don't want to be around that because it it, it creates a cloud of darkness and failure and gloom around you. Right. Nobody wants to listen to that mess. So optimistic, no, not the super cheery, not that there are no problems in the world, but to say, I don't care what the adversity is, it's going to work out. Yes. I, know, I know we don't have the income right now to pay what we owe, but God's going to work that out. Somehow something's going to work to our advantage and our, our behalf. How many times our faith has brought us through moments just like that? I could tell you a lot of testimonies about that. So we've got to toughen up. Now here's the word tough. Having the quality of being strong or firm in texture, strong or firm in texture, to be flexible and not brittle. This is what I'm really trying to get to, to be flexible. To really be tough doesn't mean that you never experience a problem, but it means that you're not brittle when the problem comes. Right. Amen. So here's the best definition. It actually means to yield to force without breaking. Now, this is Webster's Dictionary. I told you last Sunday it's a masterpiece of a definition. I love it. And, of course, the old Webster Dictionary actually went back to the Bible for definitions. And here's, here's what he found. Now, here's another part of it. Capable of resisting great strain without coming apart. Now, that tells me, you know, because how many times in this day and hour, how many times do we hear, hear a person, a coworker, a family member, telling us about what they're going through, and they'll even use the word, so I'm just coming apart. I'm just coming apart. And you, you know, they don't, you don't have to say that. We can see. Right. You are coming apart. You're coming apart at the seams, we say sometimes. Right. Amen. But to face adversity. Now, now, look, we're not putting them down or making fun of them because the adversity is that strong. Sure it is. But how to have or develop a toughness about our faith. Right. Amen. That when the adversity comes, we don't fall apart. Yes. Amen. It may bend us, but it won't break us. Yes. That's why the Apostle Paul said that in Corinthians. He said, we're, you know, we're cast down, but not, not forsaken. Right. One, one verse he says, Paul says this, he said, we're not, well, because this is a different translation, but it says we're knocked down, yes. but we're not knocked out. Yes. You know, I, I like to watch boxing. Jeremiah mentioned the other day, and I don't even know who's boxing more because I've kind of got away from it. So I spent some time over the weekend watching a little bit, you know, trying to catch up. You know, I thought, let me watch a little bit of that. And, uh, and it's what they call sanctioned boxing. In other words, it's what you'd go to jail for outside of the ring. <laughs> you know, because you take two boxers that can beat one another up, you know. I mean, and, and one gets champion, one goes home beat up, and everybody's happy. But you take those same two men outside of the ring or after the bell rings, it's called assault. Yeah. 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 Uh, the same two men, yeah. it's called assault. Because it's not sanctioned, but it's sanctioned inside that ring. Well, anyway, you watch these things, and, and some people go out, and brother, well, they're out for the count. You know, I mean, they're just out and they're just laying there. Or if they do get up there, they're doing the day's dance. You know, they don't even know where they are, who they are. But Paul said we might get knocked down in life, but we don't get knocked out. In other words, I love the way it says it in the book of Micah. He says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. You know, I might get knocked down, but I'm coming back up. And I'm coming back. 
you, you got one problem, devil, because when I come up, I'm madder than I was when I went down. You done, you done aggravated me now, and I'm going to win this thing. I'm going to take the scriptures and win every time. That's part of that tough spirit, what it means to be tough. It actually means to be focused on something other than the problem, so therefore the problem can't take you out. Again, on the screen, if you'll look at this, I'm going to read to you Deuteronomy 31.6, and this is in the NIV version, New International Version. And then I'm also going to read to you the CEB, that's the Contemporary English Bible, it's C-E-B. You might want to jot that down. All right, look up on the screen and watch these with me. In Deuteronomy 31, 6, he says, be strong and courageous. See, just like Jesus said, but be of good courage. Right. Here he is in, the, in God's talking through Moses. He said, be strong and, of, and courageous. I like yes. that. Yes. Full of courage. Amen. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them or your enemies. Yes. And to us, our enemies are not necessarily people. Usually our enemies are things, problems, bills. Come on. Right? Amen. Sicknesses, infirmity, you know, and people sometimes, you know. But he says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of them. In other words, that's something you have to choose not to be. You have to make a person because it'll try to get on you. Fear will try to come. Terror will try to come. But he says, don't be afraid. Don't be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And look at this in the CEB version. He says, be strong, be fearless. Don't be afraid. Be strong, be fearless, don't be afraid, don't be scared by your enemies because your Lord God is the one who's marching with you. He won't let you down, He won't abandon you. So we can see this tough spirit has not to do just something we build within ourselves alone, but it's with the knowledge that He's with us. That's what makes us strong. Getting used to the fact that God marches in step with us. So in other words, I said this years ago, and I want you to write it down, it might really help you this week, just this one thought is that when you face the mountain or the problem, when you face it, when you face the mountains, when he faces the mountain. Amen. He ran into the problem the same time you did. Yes. He's Amen. marching in step with you. Yes. You don't face a problem alone. That's how I'm trying to get across to you. Be tough enough to know that God's with you. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. So this, this part that said capable of resisting great strain without coming apart, I like that. So he says he uses these words. Now this is what we've read in these scriptures already. To be strong, courageous, fearless. To me, that's being tough on every level. Be strong, courageous, and fearless is certainly a tough person. In this world, the devil, who is the devourer, we mentioned him earlier. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, that he's trying to devour you. We read this morning when we were talking about the tithe, he's the devourer. Well, he used, that's Old Testament, that was Malachi. But now in this New Testament, in 1 Peter 5, he says, The devil like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may, what, devour? So Satan's got a plan right now. You, you think about it. I mean, he's not trying to second guess this plan. He's got a plan right now to devour every one of us. Amen. And he's trying to work that plan. Some of you are caught up in the middle of that devouring right now. Amen. Others of you, it might be next week when it starts showing up. But I'm telling you, he's already got a plan to devour you. Yes, now that's in the Bible, but let me give you the definition for this word devour. It means to consume you. It means to demolish you. There's the words we use, modern words, demolished. And it means to scoff you up like to lick you up as if, as if there's no proof left that you were ever there. Wow. The devil wants to devour you. He wants to consume you, demolish you, and scoff you up. But the scripture says that we're supposed to resist that devourer Amen. steadfast in our faith. Yes. So it's going to tell you, if he's coming against you tough, you've got to have a tougher faith to stand against yes. him. Tougher faith. You're saying that sounds like an un- ugly and unattractive way to put things in church, kind of a grim way to say all these things. But let me, let me just, I said a while ago, he's got a plan against you. Let me read a list 
of some of the things he's used to try to devour you and has devoured others already with. Amen. Just listen to this Amen. list. Sickness. Right. Disease. Amen. Destructive attitudes. Amen. People that just can't be anything but negative all the time. Right. Hateful. Yeah. Mean. Grumpy. Yeah. Always looking at the wrong side of things. Well, sometimes that, see, Satan will use that to destroy you with. Yes. Okay, what are you saying? Well, that's a good point. I wish we had time to spend on this a lot. But, but just being ugly about everything don't mean you're tough. Right. You know, when you're always just griping about everything, that's really a sign that you're really weak on the right. inside. Amen. The, the tough man sleeps during the storm. Come on. Amen. Jesus laid on the, on the pillow in the back of the boat, and he could resist the temptations. Anybody get anything out of this? Again, look at this list, Satan. Here's just a few of the things that when you call roll to what the devil uses, this is what he answers to. Sickness, disease, destructive attitudes, addictions. He may use addiction. You've got to be tough to overcome an addiction. Amen. It's not easy to just stop an addiction. That's right. Addiction is something that's got a grip on you, spirit, soul, and body. But a tougher faith will overcome it every time. But Satan uses addictions to hatred. We mentioned that while ago. Strife, poverty. Poverty, uh, financial woes and worries, you'll use those things as adversity to try to take you out. Amen. Failures or past failures. Yeah. Some people will never obtain a victory because they keep looking at the past failures. Right. Well, I've tried before and always failed. Well, you've got to break out of that. Satan will use that. Amen. So challenges, fears of all kinds, Satan will use those things to come against you. How many of you know that? So? You've got to have in you what it takes. Yes. You ever heard people say that? You know, they say, boy, she's got what it takes. I know, it's, I know it's a tough moment, but boy, he's got what it takes. Well, have you got what it takes? Well, the truth is, like I said earlier, it's in there. Amen. But again, like any muscle unused, it atrophies. It's weak. Amen. So what you got in you right now that is the ability to overcome may not be developed to a place that you can use it. Amen. How do you explain that? Well, you got a bicep. you got biceps muscles to lift with and other muscles involved I know in that but you got what it takes to lift maybe uh, six times what you're lifting right now but it doesn't mean that you can unless you develop it right. and so a lot of people say well I've got what it takes in me you do but you're going to have to start exercising it right. you're going to have to start standing up to that I've got to show you scripture on this Amen. are you okay with this today yeah. I've got to start showing you some of this I'm trying to preach uh, calm and collective but I'm really excited and jumping up and down on the inside we must have it in us what it takes to stand against it. Because the, the Bible uses these words about resisting the devil. Now look at this on the screen, James 4 and 7. The Bible tells us to resist. Yes. Here it is. James 4 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, which is a big deal, yes. and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Amen. So now here we have the instructions from God in the Bible that a Christian is actually supposed to resist the devil. But what does that resist mean? Well, in these translations, Amplified says, stand firm against him. Say it with me. Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm means don't lose your footing. Just because he did something that would make a lot of people. You remember the Bible says when that Abraham had the report that his body was dead, his wife's body was dead with age. They were unable to produce. The Bible says he staggered not. God said, you're going to have a, you're going to have a baby. Can you imagine coming to, a, at that time he was 75, come to a 75-year-old man, his wife was 65, and she had never been able physically to have children. And God says, you're going to have a bouncing baby boy. Most people would have went. That's called staggering. But not, uh, that was that my red fox? That was my red, y'all get that? Come on, Elizabeth. Come on. <laughs> no, but see, but Abraham didn't stagger at that. He didn't lean away from the adversity. He leaned into it. Amen. So, all right, we're going to push this. We're going to believe God anyway. And so this is what he's talking about. Stand firm when the devil comes with adversity. CJB says, take a stand. Take a stand. Say that with me. Take a stand. Take a stand. Take a stand. You know, you just plant your foot. 
I had a man tell me one time he was getting in a, he had a problem with his marriage and his wife had ran off and he, he went to get her, you know, and she was with another man. And boy, I mean, he said, he was, I don't know how it all, he said, I was in my pickup truck and I was trying to get my wife back and here came the other man. And said, he was running at me. And he said, Brother James, now this, he was sitting in my office telling me, he said, he was running at me and said, I had this thought. I remembered that they always said, whoever gets the first punch in wins. And so he said, I was waiting on him when he came. Now, you, you think how I felt having to be the pastor sitting there trying to talk him through that. But the, my point is, when, when stress starts coming, when somebody starts coming against you, you take a stand like that. He said, when you're on a faith project and adversity is trying to say it isn't going to work, you take your stand. Yes. You're saying, so, no, I'm not, I'm not backing off this. Devil, if it's a fight you want, it's a fight you're going to get. Come on. It, see, that has to be the tough-minded spirit that we have on the inside of us. So take a stand against adversary. Message says, now I love this one. It says, read it with me. What does it say? Yeah. Yell a loud no to the devil. Yell a loud no to him. And he'll scamper. Now that's, out of the, that's what uh, Eugene Peterson finds in, in the Greek as he studies. Yell a loud no to the devil. That's sometimes that's the best resistance. The devil said, no, you don't, devil. See, a tough-minded person knows how to yell a loud one to it. No, devil. Oh, listen, if you, if you talk nice to the devil and you say, devil, will you please stop harassing my life? He'll say, I sure will. And he's a liar. He's just lying to you. So you've got to learn to yell a loud no to the devil. Look at this. The passion says, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he'll turn and, and run away from you. But I like that. Stand up to the devil. Get, just get in his face. Amen. That's the hardest lesson I ever had to learn as a young child growing up in school. There's always a bully. You know, there's always some girl that beats everybody up. And, and, no. But you know, these boys, you know, there was a bully and always kind of harassing, you know, everybody else. And, and, but we learned that eventually if you just stand up to them, usually they just back down. Amen. And I say usually because I don't want you to necessarily try this and blame me if the results don't work out. But, but I mean, usually a bully just backs because these are all talk and they don't have any strength. But if you come against them. And I saw that happen a lot of times just as a kid. All right, look, so he says, stand up against the devil. I like stand up to him. And then, of course, the voice translation says fight against the devil and his scheme. So I circle that word fight in my mind. You've got to learn to be a fighter. That's a tough-minded Christian. First Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says resist him firm in your faith. Again, this is now another place, but it says resist him. The passion puts it like this. Take a decisive stand against the devil a decisive stand against him and resist his every attack with strong, vigorous faith, not weak faith, but strong, tough faith. I like to say in our V says, just simply says, stand up to him as we've already read. And that's, that was first Peter five, nine. Here's another scripture. We're going to look at Ephesians four twenty seven. Ephesians four twenty seven says, neither give place to the devil. Now give him no place. We hear it quoted like that. Give him no place. Literally, it means give the devil no geographical location. Don't give him a place in your life. Don't give him a place in your thoughts. Don't give him a place in your marriage. Don't give him a place on your job. Don't give, don't let strife. Don't do anything that opens the door for him to come in. Don't welcome him into your home. So this is what it says, neither give place. In fact, if you read this in context, Ephesians chapter four, he's talking about don't go to bed angry. And don't fuss him with people. Don't do all that. He says, because that opens the door of the devil. So here he says, give the devil no geographical location. Give him no place. And then in the Passion Translation, I love it. It says, don't give the devil an opportunity to manipulate you. Don't give the devil an opportunity. You know what that tells me? That tells me he's constantly, 24-7, seeking an opportunity to manipulate you, to control your life through circumstance. Satan has learned, I'm just going to say this for what it's worth, but Satan has learned what level of hardness you break on. 
So he just has to reach that level. But a tough-minded person, now this is not something you do with yourself. This is because we're looking to the greater one in us. But the tough person that's got themselves established in a faith that God is never leaving me or forsaking me won't break. And the devil will learn. It might take him a while, but he'll learn eventually, no matter what I bring against this person, they will not bend. They will not fall. And it's going to be the worst day of my life if I try to mess with them. And that's what you got to, you got to develop that reputation where Satan just says you can't mess with uh, that person. Truth is, if you don't work or develop this with your faith, you're daily exercising this kind of faith. Satan will use it to hit you with one of these things that we've talked about and you'll not be able to stand. So you've got to actually start developing. Now turn to Mark chapter 4 real quick. Mark chapter 4, 14 through 20. Is this helping anybody today? Say this with me. Say I'm a tough-minded Christian. Now I use the word minded. A lot of people say tough-spirited. But see the mind is not the brain. Mind is the voice of the spirit. You can't separate the spirit and the soul, and so you can't separate the way your mind is wrapped around promises. When you got your mind wrapped around the Word of God, brother, I'm telling you. Of course, the Bible tells us we've got to renew your mind to the Word yes. of God. Amen. If we have time, I'll take you to a scripture that actually says that you've got to use your mind to pull down wrong imaginations. That's right. Amen. You've got to use the right thought, and you've got to be tough about it right. because the devil won't, he's not going to lay down and just play dead. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. So we have to learn that the battleground is the mind. And you've got to develop tough-mindedness. And that's what Mark chapter 4 is talking about, the parable of the sower sows the word. Now, actually, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 8, it brings it out a little more that it has to do with your thoughts and your understanding, but we can understand it here. Let's start with the 13th verse. Jesus had just got through telling them what we call the parable of the sower sows the word. And they got to, in verse 11 and 12, they asked Jesus, said, we don't understand that parable. What does it mean? Now, look how Jesus responded in verse 13. He said, guys, you don't know what this parable means how are you going to know all parables? Underline that. That means every parable or story that Jesus told in the Bible, every parable he used for teaching, centers or hinges on understanding the parable of the sower. If you don't understand this parable, you won't understand the rest of the parables in the Bible. You've got to understand how the sower works and how the devil comes to steal. But in this parable, notice how the devil comes. Because of time, let's go down to verse 16, 14. The sower sows the word into our heart. We sow the word. These are, that's, what, that's what's happening to us today as we're talking about scriptures, the words being sown into our heart. Verse 15 says, these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they've heard the word, Satan, your adversary, comes when? Next week? Immediately. When? Immediately. What does he do? To take away the word that was sown in your heart. He tries to pull up the seed before it has a chance to grow. And then he explains this in verse 16. Jesus said, these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. What that means is, is when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness, yet they have no root in themselves. Now, that's what I want to talk about today. They don't, they, you're not tough if you have no root in yourself. They have no root in themselves, so they endure for a time. But afterward, he said, affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, and immediately they get offended, and they break, they bend, they quit. The affliction's too hard, the persecution's too hard, so they quit. Rather than being tough-minded, a little affliction, a little persecution stops them. So go back to this phrase. Jesus says they have no root in themselves. One translation says they're short-lived. Do you know any Christians like that? Oh, I tell you what, I'm going to get in saved and I'm going to get in church. I'm going to fight the devil and then you can't find them next week. What happened to them? They're short-lived, very short-lived. They weren't tough people. Here's another translation. I'll bring it out. Look at the message. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there's such shallow soil of character. See, dealing with character here. 
there's such a shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. Amen. Just some difficulty. Satan just throws some difficulty. And believe me, he's got some difficulty. Amen. He's going to throw them at you. Amen. But when it arises, there's nothing to show for it in that person's life. Amen. People have asked me a lot of times about Christians. People, some people used to be a part of this church. They say, where's so-and-so? I said, well, they, they had a good start. That's all I can tell you. They just started good. But how many of you know in a race, it's not how you start that counts. Right. It's how That's you finish. Right. That's they started off good. And somebody asked me about one man one time, a guy that was real close to me and, and just, you know, doing so well in things of God. And then after a few years, he was just gone and not even in church today. And they asked me about it. I said, how so-and-so? I said, well, I just, all I can tell you, he was good while he lasted. Amen. That's a bad testimony of people. Good while he lasted. How long are you lasting? See, are you tough enough to last out till you get the victory? My, my best preaching doesn't get a lot of amens because it makes you think. <laughs> Thank you so much. Affliction, tribulation, testings and trials. So they're just not tough enough. Not tough enough to last. What's the opposite of tough is tender. They're tender-minded. What's the difference in being tender-minded or tough-minded? Tender-minded people just can't handle a problem. They can't handle a situation. They can't stand with their faith. Their faith hadn't been developed. Have they got it? If they're a Christian, yeah, it's on the inside of them, but they just hadn't used it enough to be strong. So you have to know. Right? I tell you what, just give you this real quickly, the difference in affliction and persecution. Because he says that's what Satan will use, affliction or persecution. Affliction is to be afflicted with a problem. Persecution is to be put down because you've got something good. Anybody ever been blessed with a car? Amen. Anybody ever been blessed with an automobile? Okay, let me ask you this, the negative side. Anybody ever been afflicted with an automobile? <laughs> now, back in the day when I didn't know how to use my faith, I'd call it an afflicted thing, man. It's like, I had a car one time. This is when Susan and I first got in ministry together. I mean, after we got married, you know, I'd been in ministry a few years, but I still build my faith. just like I'm building my faith today, you know. Don't, hey, don't judge me by what I got today. You ought to see me where I'm going, you know. I tell you, faith is building. But we had a car, thank God for it. I mean, it got us places at times, but it had a problem is that when you cut it off, it wouldn't <laughs> just keep running. And that's one of the most embarrassing things in the world. And that was an affliction because I was embarrassed by the affliction. The problem was it had, well, it probably, I don't know what it didn't need, Brother Reggie, a start or something. I don't know what was wrong with it, but you turn it off. This was a uh, 1981 Chrysler LeBaron. And uh, it was a cute little car, but I mean, just an embarrassing thing. It was, I was afflicted with it. Because we'd go places, I mean, you know, I, I can remember just right now, just, I can just see myself, we'd pull up to places, I, I told you about this before, we'd pull up to LB's Barbecue, that's where everybody in Fayette County hung out, you know, we'd pull up there and, and I'd turn off my car and he'd go, he'd go, and it just keep doing, I'd walk in, I'd look back, I'd walk in, people say, uh, Brother Gardner, your car's still running, yeah, I'm working with the rescue squad today, you don't ever know when you got to. Just jump out, you know, man, got to go. You know, they might call me in a minute. And they say, your car's running. I know, I know, I know. Sit down, eat a hamburger. You can see it out the window, man. Just going. That's an affliction. Oh, let me tell you the real affliction. Then you go, tell everybody, bye, you know, get in, and get in the car. And it won't, and then, it, then it quits. And it won't crank. Sit out there. I didn't have, we didn't have cell phones back then to act like we could talk to somebody, you know. I didn't have that, you know. Oh, I'm telling you, that's an affliction. That's an affliction. And see, it, 
if you give up in a time like that, you'll just say, well, you know, that's all I can ever have. Just cars that won't run when, they, when you need them to run, won't cut off when you need them cut off. And, and just an inflation. But I started developing my faith in that time. I said, you know what? i tell you what, we've got good cars. Susan and I would just say, we've got good cars. We've got good automobiles, cars that do right. Well, it wasn't long our faith brought us to a higher level. In, in the fall of 91, I'd gotten a, a little Cadillac Seville. Pretty little cars, just a year old, had 20,000 miles, 21,000 miles on it. And, and I'm driving that. But then, see, now I'm not afflicted with the car. <laughs> but guess what came next? Persecution. Uh-huh. I'd come to church and people, sometimes, not some people would say, oh, Cadillac man. Not Cadillac man, it's Cadillac man. <laughs> oh, Cadillac, preacher guy of Cadillac. So what's he doing? Persecuting because of God. Right. But see, not everybody does that. world don't do that. world's glad to see you in something better. I'm, I'm, I'm driving that little Cadillac. I just got it around Christmas time, and I called it Susan's Christmas present. And it was, a, it was a blessing of the Lord the way we got it. I've told you that story before, but, I mean, just supernaturally how God put us in it. In those days, there was one gas station. A cousin of mine ran a gas station that still pumped gas for you, you know, full service, you know, and you don't find that much anymore. And, and this was back in 91. And so I pulled up one day after I'd gotten that little Cadillac, and then people at church, Cadillac man. Can't look at the preacher. He's Cadillac man. Make you feel about, you know, like this, you know. And I pulled up to this gas station. There's a little boy that pumped gas. I say little. He was probably 19, you know. Little boy, his name was Jamie. And uh, he was a sinner because he'd tell you what he did on the weekends every time he pumped the gas. Oh, I'll tell you, you know. And he just messed up in his mind. And I pulled up that morning to get some gas in that Cadillac. And he came out there because he'd been seeing me in the afflicted car, you know. And he saw me in that little Cadillac. He walked around. And he said, whoa, where did you get that? I said, that's my wife's Christmas present. He said, well, now here's the sinner man. This ain't the church boy. This is, this, is, this is the way the sinners talk. They don't persecute. They say, whoa, this was Christmas. He said, where'd you say you worked? I said, man, Jamie, I work for God. And he said, God got any openings? I said, you better believe he does. He wasn't all this Cadillac man. See, He was like excited about that. But see, you've got to stand strong whether it's affliction or persecution. Yes. Yes. Amen. There's pressures of affliction, sickness and disease against your body, but there'll be pers- people that persecute you because you're walking in health. Right. Amen. And because you believe you're going to have better health tomorrow than you got today. That's right. And you, you know, the people will put you down over that. Right. But you've got to stand strong whether it's affliction or persecution. Yes. And just say, you know what? I tell you, we're going to a better place, going to a better day. And God's doing big things for me. I had to train my mind in those days on the scripture to be strong. How do you train your mind? Like I said, you renew the mind. Romans 12, 2 says you renew the mind. But turn to 2 Corinthians 10 right quick. we just got a few minutes left. Anybody getting anything out of this? Keep yourself strong and just be strong. Just just be strong. You just have to make a decision to do it. Now, you don't just, the decision alone, but you have to get in the Scripture. But the decision is what pushes you into the Scriptures. Bless God, I'm going to do what it takes, in other words, to become a strong Christian. You know, I get, I tell you honestly, I'm embarrassed over the times in my life that, Susan would be strong in some area, and I'd be weak in some areas. I just want to give up and complain, and she'd just say, no, we're going to believe God. And I said, you know what, I'm just tired of being the, the yes ma'am guy, you know, because faith is the way we go. That's right, amen. And you have to do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, is that where I sent you? Yes, yes. Now, now you know it's talking about our warfare. Verse, verse 3 says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural or normal weapons, but they're mighty through God. To pull down Satan's strongholds. Yeah. Things he's gotten strongholds built up in our lives. But here's how we do it. It's this fifth verse, what I wanted to get you to. You do it by casting down imaginations. Yes. Amen. 
Now, I'd say it like this because imaginations in themselves are not wrong. This is talking about casting down wrong imaginations. And that's what he's going to say. Let's read it together. He says, cast down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So there are imaginations that are in line with God's word. If the Bible says, by his stripes I'm healed, I imagine myself healed. If the Bible says that he supplies my need, I imagine myself with all my needs supplied. But then the devil uses these negative imaginations that are contrary to the word of God. They contradict the word. And the Bible says we're supposed to take the weapons of our warfare and pull those wrong imaginations down. So Satan works to build up negative imaginations against us. You can have an image of yourself defeated, but we've got to put in the right imagination. And you don't, you don't just pull an imagination down without replacing it because your, your mind is going to imagine. You can't, you can't get to a place where you have no images on the inside. Your job is to make sure you pull down the wrong images and only allow permit. And that's being strong, the right images. So the encouragement is to grow strong on the inside or in, in your inner man. Now, here's the scripture again. Jot this down. I'm going to show it to you on the screen real quickly. Ephesians 3.16. Just jot it down because I'm going to show it to you up here because of time. Ephesians 3.16. We're also going to read it in the message, MSG, and the Amplified. Okay? In Ephesians 3.16, it says that God, now this is Paul saying, I'm praying for you that God would grant you, now this is an answer to his prayer, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, there's there's strong, see, tough, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So we're talking about a strength that comes in our inner man. Now watch this in the Message Bible. It brings it out beautifully. It says, I ask him, I'm asking God to strengthen you by his spirit, not a natural outwardly brute strength. Not just not talking about a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That's what being strong inwardly is. So that Christ will live in you as you open the door and invite him in. You have to invite him and welcome him in. Now, I think the Amplified brings it out better because it's got that word I mentioned to you way earlier. Now, watch this together. Read it with me. May he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self indwelling your innermost being and personality. So in other words, if you're strong, if you're a strong, tough, inside-minded believer, it'll come forth through your personality. And you won't be weak and talk intimidation and fear and and this isn't going to work. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. But you'll begin to talk better. You'll talk what God says about the situation. Look, Look at this in Psalm 93, verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is clothed with majesty. The Lord has clothed and girded himself with strength. Now listen, I want to present something to you before we have to close and get out of here. If the Lord has girded himself with strength and you're created in his image and likeness, should you not too be clothed in strength? Of course, his strength, it's his strength. Not your strength apart from his, but I mean, we're clothed in the same strength. If if the Lord's strong, I'm strong because I'm made exactly like him. Look at this, Psalm 147, and this is the fifth verse, 147, verse 5. Look at this, God is, now of course if we read it about God, then it must be true about us because we're exactly like Him. That's where the amen goes. All right, great is our Lord and abundant in strength. So you and I should too be abundant in strength. That's a tough-minded Christian. I love it the way Job says it. Job Job put it like this. Now, this is a different translation, but I want you to look at this, Job 19. This is powerful. Job said, hey, if this is a matter of power, Behold, he's the strong one. 
If we're talking about a matter of power, God is the strong one. Well, if God is the strong one, then you and I are the strong one and should be just like him. Look what Jesus said in John 14 in verse 12. Verily, verily, I, say, I tell you, whosoever Jesus... Now, this is Jesus talking. He said, whoever believes in me. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you one of the ones that believe in him? Okay, then you've got to say, he's talking about me because I believe in him. Whoever believes in him will do the same works that I've been doing. And they will do even greater things than this because I'm going to the Father. Now, that's where you and I are supposed to be, doing the same works that he did. And easy to read version says, I can assure you that whoever believes in me will do the same things that I have done. The passion says the person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do, even greater miracles than these. Folks, I'm telling you, this is already on the inside of you. And I'm just trying to help you get in touch with your inner self today. I'm going to find out who you are. The truth is, the Bible says, wherever our foot shall tread, we've got authority over it. And so you've got to be bold enough, strong enough, tough enough to say, I'm going to walk into the new car dealership and look around. Listen, on the day you don't have groceries, you ought to go look and shop anyway. I'm not talking about stealing, but I'm just saying, you know what, bless God, I'm going. If I, if I had money, I'd go shop. Right? If I, if I believe I'm blessed and prosperous, I'm going to go shop for that new car. That's right. How are you getting your money, they might say. I tell you, my father's financing That's this car. Right. Oh, your father's financing. Yeah, how long will it take you to get it? Oh, any moment now. That's right. I tell you, my money's coming in right now. Praise Amen. God. Well, see, you've got to start walking and knowing, hey, I'm blessed. I've got, I've got what it takes to have miracles in my life. You've got authority wherever the fold sole of your foot treads is yours if you just come in touch with what God's got. Now, I've got to give you this, and I'm going to close. The only thing for you to walk in this kind of toughness is to know it. Down. The only thing you got to do to walk in this kind of toughness I'm talking about is to know it. And because when you know it, everything starts changing. Everything about it. Look inwardly to the inner strength, to the greater one on the inside of you and develop it. Now, here's what I'm going to close with is I'm going to give you a confession. It's six little, little points, six little small phrases that I want you to write down to start making this statement every day. Amen. This is how you develop this strong inner strength with these scripture promises. You you, number one, you begin, well, I said this is not the six yet, but I'm just going to say begin to mentally, that is in your spirit, see yourself strong and controlled. Amen. I'm going to tell you what to do first, then I'll tell you what to say. Mentally start seeing yourself strong and controlled. In your imaginations, in your mind, stop seeing yourself weak and wishy-washy. Amen. Start seeing yourself strong. I, I tell you what I mean by that. Some years ago when I first got saved now, I'd just become a Christian. Now look, look at this. Here's a boy that grew up in the Methodist church. In the Methodist church, we did not cast out devils. We either petted them or ran from them. You understand what I'm saying? We didn't cast them out. We didn't know anything about that. We didn't know what was going on if we ran into one. I mean, it just, you know, scared the booger out of us. We knew nothing about it. So when I got saved at the age of 20, after 20 years in the Methodist church, one of the first things God put me in the middle of was to start casting out devils out of people's lives. And I tell you, I never, I mean, I was scareder than the one that was possessed of them. And I didn't know what to do. And the Lord said, now this is how he took me. He said, James, here's what I want you to do. Now I knew the scriptures. See, I had the scriptures on it, but I wasn't operating in them. That I had authority over them. I could cast them out. And here's what the Lord said to do. He said, James, now this, I was one day shaking in my boots about an opportunity to pray for somebody that was just going to be one of those bad situations. And I was shaking in my boots over it. He said, now here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to close your eyes. Now this was before I went to that opportunity. So I closed my eyes. He said, now I want you to see yourself in, in the middle of like a street or a sidewalk, but like a street, he said. He said, first of all, he said, I want you to see you dressed in the best. I want you to see yourself in a black suit. I want you to see that tie, white shirt, crisp, and right out of the cleaners. And see yourself dressed the absolute best. I said, all right. Bible in hand. I said, okay. He said, now I want you to see devils 
demons, ugly demons on both sides of the streets. I said, no, sir. He said, no. I said, put them there. He said, put mean ones, the biggest, baddest ones as you can imagine. And I didn't even like doing that. But I said, I, he got me there. I said, okay, all right. He said, no, he said, put mean ones, put big ones. And I mean, I put the worst demons I could have imagined in my mind. Put them on both sides of it. Now he said, now you walk down the, on, like a parade, you know, they're on both sides of the street. He said, now you start walking down that street and you, you, it's your dream. He said, you see these demons doing what you want them to do. And when you walk by, he said, you see them run, you them fall in terror, them scream out, run, depart the other way. And I started exercising that. I just started seeing myself. I'd close my eyes. I got to where I could do it with my eyes open, but I mean, because I'd see it. But I had to close my eyes to see it, and I'd walk down the middle of that street, and just the presence of me and God coming down that street, demons would begin to flee and start terror. And that gave me a boldness or a toughness, if you will, to start casting out devils when I had the opportunity. Now, it was based on the Scripture. I don't mean I did this apart from the Scriptures. It was based because the greater one was within me than he that's in the world. So start mentally seeing yourself in your spirit strong and controlled, in charge, a champion, victorious, not weak and wishy-washy, as we said, because you tend to become what you picture yourself to be. And so start working on that. Say amen to that. Amen. And here, and this is the last thing I'm going to give you, is this, this is the confession I want you to make. It's got six little statements to it, and I'll do it real quick, and you jot them down, because you need to make this confession every day. I would encourage you to do it as many times a day as you get an opportunity. See, some people get in a traffic jam on the way to work or home or whatever it might be. They get in a traffic jam. We got into one the other night where the wreck had happened, and boy, I mean, we're just stuck in that traffic. Some people start complaining. Oh, I'll tell you what, I don't want this traffic, you know, now, and they go to complaining. Other people put it on their podcast. They'll grow their faith. They'll say, you know what, this is an opportunity because I can't do this going down the road or I can't read this confession. I can do it now, though. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to take advantage of the time. Amen. What are they doing? But no, start, stop complaining and build yourself up. Yes, and so here's your, here's your confession I want you to make every day and you're going to see your life change. You're going to become tough. Amen. And we'll talk more about this next week. Are you ready? Yes. Because you pretend to become what you picture yourself to be. Number one, start confessing, God made me strong. Amen. First sentence, God made me strong. The next sentence, I see myself as I really am, strong. So far, God, God made me strong. I see myself as I really am, strong. I possess the spirit of power, not weakness. Now, you can imagine what this will do for you, saying this out loud over yourself every day. Because it lines up with Scripture, right? We have not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and of sound mind. He says, I possess the spirit of power, not weakness. Next sentence, I have what it takes to overcome all things. I have what it takes to overcome all things. Next sentence, because Jesus Christ lives big in me today. And emphasize that lives big, big, you know, and when you say it, emphasize it. Jesus Christ lives big in me today. Jesus Christ lives big in me today. And the last sentence, and I always put praise and thanksgiving into it, is thank you, Father God, for my strength. And I promise you this will make you a tough-minded believer as you meditate on the Scriptures. Amen. You know, of course, you remember Joel said, let the weak say I'm strong. Yes. This is what we're acting on. Amen. Let the weak say I'm strong. All right, let's read it together. You got it? Yes. Let's make it as a confession. Stand to your feet. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't wait to get in. I tell you, this is the introduction Amen. just to what we're going to talk Amen. about coming up. But say this with me. Say, God made me strong. I see myself as I really am strong. I possess the spirit of power, not weakness. I have what it takes to overcome all things. Jesus Christ lives big in me today. Thank you, Father God, for my strength. Amen. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that's here in this church today.